when we begin today, let's just take a quick question. Have you ever noticed how difficult it is for us to receive acts of generosity? You ever notice somebody like they, they just want to do something really kind for you and they want to pay for that to you? And it takes really hard to receive that. And I guess it's a his name, John Armando. He is um, basically coming up with four reasons in his mind why it's so hard for us to receive. The first one is, is that uh, we use it as a defense against interest, right? So somebody extends to us an act of generosity and, and we're, you know, just, we feel vulnerable, right? It's like, you know, it's like, you know, bonding moment between the two of us. And so for some people, it's just like they're afraid of that intimacy, afraid of being vulnerable for the walls to come down so they can resist. Another reason is that um, we feel like we're letting go of control, right? That idea of dependence. And it's like, okay, I should be able to do this, and if I trust another person, then I'm kind of totally dependent on their generosity and what they do, and then what happens to me, you know? So this idea of safety that we build around ourselves kind of goes away. Another one fear that brings an attack, right? They do this thing, they put a head in our heads, um, and we are forever indebted to them. And then the fourth reason they says is to believe that it's selfish uh, to receive. And so, you know, this idea that it's like, why is it going to give us their influence? So we don't want to be selfish, and so we kind of push it off. And then why is it the fifth reason? Is this pressure to reciprocate, right? So if somebody does something kind, and we got to prove our worthiness, so we got to um, give back to them in some way. And all of these reasons prevent us from receiving acts of generosity. And I want to say that all of them are a result of the fall. You know, as we talk about God's original design of life without uh, any barriers between between God, no internal insecurities, no conflict with people around us, and that peace and have meaning and purpose in life. When man rebelled against that, he put himself at the center of, of life and in control, and they created this huge disconnect. And God offers to restore all that we have lost with our rest of versions of right and wrong. And, and it all comes down to how well we're willing to receive. The power of God and what He does in our lives, the power of restoration, all comes down to whether we're willing to receive this incredible, generous act of God. So, so far, let's recap what we talked about. God's original design, first chapter, in finding faith, is understanding that God created a world where humanity personally knew Him. They lived in harmony with God, within themselves, others, and creation around them. But we all know that God gave this one community. He says, listen, I've defined the experience of good and evil, what's right and wrong, and I've created this world, and you live in this world, and everything's in complete harmony. Just don't create your own knowledge of good and evil. Don't create your own version of right and wrong. And that's exactly what humanity did. So humanity rebelled against God, rejected his design, and selfishly filled the world with brokenness. So we have this disconnect where we're supposed to have this sense of worth found in God. We think our worth and how we reflect our own image. We have a life where we're full of insecurities now, right? So we were supposed to be perfectly secure within ourselves and we're driven by these passions and desires that seem to be unmet. Conflict abounds. It's hard to love and be loved uh, in relationships around us. It's always a challenge, part of the fall. And then, of course, the, the longing for meaning and purpose. You know, we're no longer at peace with creation around us. We're, we're searching and we're longing for these things. And we, we live in this broken world all because humanity says we got a better plan, a better idea. So Jesus comes in, and this is his response. And all the ways God could respond to the Jewish people, 
He responds with love and justice applied to humanity by grace. And we talked about this last week, the power of God loving humanity and their brokenness, and also the desire to make things right, and how God calls that to humanity by grace. Now, when we apply love and justice, we apply it by very different things than what God tries to apply, and it's why we get all kinds of distortions and solutions that never really apply to bring peace because we're at the center. But God comes in to restore His good, and we offer it simply this. It's redemption. It's a way to be rescued and restored. Right? And so God gives us this gift. He offers it to us, and if we receive it, we walk into the next chapter, which is our restoration. That's what we're going to talk about today. So the big statement here is that through Jesus, harmony with God, ourselves, others, and the world around us is restored. Through Jesus, we can be restored in our relationship with God. Our internal insecurities can be restored to security. Our conflict in relationship and disconnect can be restored to harmony with other people. And the sense of meaning and purpose can come back to our lives that is not based on ourselves. And so let's look at this. We see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And it starts off with this, this idea that it comes through Jesus. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because we are in the name of Christ. So because of what Jesus has done on the cross, and because we're trusting God's grace to give us love and justice, to renew us, this, this unity with Christ gives us every spiritual blessing. And I want to draw you all the way back to the word picture that we talked about in the first message. Remember when we talked about that God blessed Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with my image? And remember that we talked about that blessing, like the fact that God looked down, looked at his creation in the eyes, and he blessed them, and he's like, listen, guys, I want you to enjoy everything that I've brought. I want you to enjoy my goodness, and I want you to know, I want you to fill the world with this. I want you to rule over creation, and I want you to enjoy every blessing that I have for you. And it's this idea that God met down in adoration of the very people that he acted with his own hands and breathed his own life into them. It's the same word. So we come full circle where God began to bless humanity with everything good. He comes back through Jesus and gives us the same blessing and is poured up for us in heaven and rain. So God gives it to us now and it's where we're heading. It's the direction of our lives. But it is a process. So let's talk about this process. First thing through Jesus is that we have harmony with God and it's restricted. So how does this work? Verse 4 says this Even before we made the world, Right? Before God created the world, before He breathed life in humanity, God loved us. God loved you. And He chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. I want you to think about this for a second. That when God created heaven and earth, no one knew how it was, how existence, what we would do, how we would live, out of very nature. And God knew the days that we would walk on the earth and knew whether we would come to him in faith or not, and God loved you and chose you knowing the full story of your life. And so God, if you're ever wondering whether God sees your worth, just like he gave it to us at creation, he sees your full worth, and he chose you, and he sees you as holy, without fault, in his eyes. 
even though you could list all of the wrongs in your life, all the ways that you reject God, all the ways you resist God, all the ways you rebel against God, God doesn't see you like that in Jesus. He sees you as holy without a blemish from salvation. There's no thing wrong. It's incredible that God would see the totality of your life and come up with a very different conclusion than what most of us come up with. And it's this big theological word called justification. And justification simply means this, that God sees you as perfect, as if you had never sinned, just as if I had never sinned, right? So you at the church, probably heard what justifies you. To see you just as if you've never sinned. And so God sees you as the person of Jesus, perfect. You know what that is? That's a huge value statement. God is saying that you have a total word. The very word of God's image is still in you and being restored in you. And God sees you as a perfect, completed word, even though you are not there yet. That's incredible. And all the things that God created, He created in the universe. And you think about some of these things, I'm going to speak in the midst of galaxies, and you're not even a speck on that speck. I mean, you're so indistinguishable. But yet, so dearly loved and followed by God is a huge statement of your world. See, because of Jesus, You become aware of the words that God has always seen in you before the foundation of the earth. Think about that for a second. You have words, but it's through Jesus that you begin to see the depth of your words. Because of Jesus, I am seen as a perfect reflection of God's character. There is no need for me to try to earn his approval or impress him with my spirituality. This is what Jesus does for us. This is what Jesus teaches us to do for This is the restoring work that God is doing in your life. You want to know where your life is heading in eternity? It's the character of Jesus that you read about in this world. That's who you will be in God's will. The next thing that we have that God restores to Jesus, we have harmony within ourselves. Right? Harmony within ourselves is restored to Jesus. What do we see this? Well, in verses 7 and 8 of Hebrews chapter 1, it says that He, being Jesus, is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son. And forgave us things. And he has gathered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. You know what this is saying? It's like, okay, God sees me as this perfect person, and I know that I'm not a perfect person. God created me to perfectly reflect his image, and that's the worth that all humanity has. But I know that there are lives that that reflection is dim at best. And in all of that, God responds to us in kindness every breath that we take. 
So when we see the word kindness and purchase and forgetting, he's talking about something that happens that has continual effect in your life. And so because of the cross, because of God's grace, he has purchased our freedom. There's no price to be paid. There's no price that you have to pay to be restored within yourself. It's talking about God transforming your heart. Forgiveness isn't just overlooking your sins. It's the restorative work that helps you overcome those sins. And he has showed his kindness on us with all wisdom and understanding. God looks at us and knows just how to lead us out of where we are to where we want to be. And when you hear the, the passage in Philippians that says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, this is what he's talking about. That God began the work of restoring your character to reflect God's character, and he will finish what he's talking about. God wants to renew with a man's father. See, so much of what we do in life is out of insecurity. Trying to prove our value, trying to satisfy our passions, trying to be at peace with ourselves, and we cope and try to connect in so many different ways. But what God is saying is by one word, that's salvation, which isn't just withholding the spiritual punishment for sin, it's the actual renewing you from heresy. That God begins to bring you that peace with yourself. And the more that we realize that he satisfies the less we're driven by our passions and insecurities, the more we're driven by a genuine love for God himself. And we're set free from anxiety and self-loathing from the fear of loss because we know that we're loved, cared for, provided for, and can be satisfied in Christ. And that's a process. See, because of Jesus, and forgiven of all guilt and shame, we can be live free of insecurity. This is part of the story of the world. Jesus also gives us harmony with others. He restores that. Where is Jesus? When Jesus chapter one again, verse five, it says that God decided in advance. So that word, memorize that word, keep it in it. That God decided in advance. Before the foundations of the world, to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And he gave, and gave him great pleasure. Think about that for a second. Let's just stop there and let that soak. While you were living in your rebellion, while you live in rejection of God, while you resist Him, while you turn away from Him, while you, you, you reject Him, He decided in advance, before you ever had a chance to do any of those things, to adopt you into His own family, not just to love you from a distance, but to bring you under His roof into His life, to consider you at all, to allow you close enough to crush your very heart. And he chose that for you and I before the foundations of the earth. And he did this through Jesus Christ. And this is something that he wanted to do in a given person. That while you and I have hard time finding pleasure in God and resisting God for our own pleasure, 
God wants to include us and to bring us in and to draw us close and do something that He wants to do and find great pleasure in restoring your life. So we thank God for the glorious grace that goes on the same verse 2 that He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. That He has come out in our relationship with our people. You go back to chapter one, remember us talking about what is it that causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not your own passions that are at war within you? This need for constant validation that creates all kinds of conflict and self-centeredness in the world. What does it say? In our quest to find belonging, to make our place in this world, we create ripples of conflict around us. And God is saying that because of Jesus, we belong to Him. And because we belong to Him, and our insecurities are no longer driving us, and our relationship with God is clear, then we are at rest, and we don't approach one human relationship from the point of meaning validation. We are able to truly love people where they are, no matter whether they like us or not. See, opposition is settled. And because we're settled and we have a place, we're actually able to love other people. You know what adoption does for somebody? Most of the spiritual world. It gives somebody that didn't have a home. From the first time in their lives, they know they are loved. And because that is satisfied, there's not a need to manipulate or use other people to set that function. Which would freeze us. They don't allow people to be there. So when they're broken, it's not just against ours, it's not a personal approach to how they did it. We need to be past that and see that they're struggling and trying to find their place to the world. It's a process. To really believe that in Jesus, we are complete. Because it's complete, we can offer that to anyone around us. The adoption of this, because of Jesus, I belong to the Father and I'm fully loved, approved, and valued, which frees me to love and save all people with no strings attached. We cry this, right? We say love would change the world. This is, this is a cultural value. And what I'm saying is, is that we don't know love until we understand the love of God. Because when we talk about love, we find it very hard to love a lovable people. God looks at people that are unlovable and changes their lives through that love. That's sacrifice, that offer, knowing that they may not be the return. 
is the kind of love that changes our hearts and changes the world we live. It's about I choose you because of you. Not for what you're going to do. So through Jesus only with all creation is restored as well. Not only is our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with people around us, but our relationship with the world around us, we find this sense of meaning and purpose again. Ephesians chapter 1 again, verse 1. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will, regarding Christ. Why would God do this? Why would God restore us? Why would God redeem us? Why would God love us when we reject Him? Here's why. Here's the mystery of His will. And that's to fulfill His own good plan. What's His good plan? And this is His plan. He says, At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. What did He say? God's ultimate plan is to unite everyone and everything under His leadership, to restore everything to His image, to bring back gifts into the world. He says, verse 11, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, and He saves us in advance, and He makes everything work out according to His plan. He's like, He's going to do that work here, but he's also providing this perfected place for us as an inheritance when, when we die, when we go to heaven, in the, into eternity. See, God is talking about here that he wants to restore his good in creation. And as God begins to restore us in our relationship with him, and we now have a sense of worth that's not like what we do or don't do, and then we are at peace with ourselves and not driven by our insecurities and past, and we're actually able to be at rest within ourselves. We're actually able to love other people in a way and point them to wholeness in, in a true sense of the word. And because we love other people with that incredible love of God, it begins to restore their hearts. And what happens? God's image begins to multiply throughout creation, just as He intended for it to be. And so while we live in pain and darkness, there's this incredible restorative good work that God is doing within the believer's life. And that incredible restorative work begins to reflect His image, gives Him glory, gives Him pleasure. It's something that He wants to do, and it becomes a light in a very dark place. And that goodness resembles through all of creation and gives us a sense of meaning and purpose. What is our meaning and purpose in life? To fill the earth with the goodness of God. Not our own goodness, not our own version of right and wrong, not our own sense of justice and love, but God's sense of love, justice, good, and, and peace that God wants to work in you and to use you to fill the earth with that glory. And that's the work that God does here, and that's the work that we will enjoy in heaven. Where does this play out? It's a world without pain, without suffering, without death, without insecurity, without a need to be validated in any sense. That's what eternity is, to be completely restored to what we see in the first two chapters of Genesis. This is the work that God is beginning in us. And this is the work that God wants us to participate in. And it's a big church word. It's called sanctification. And it's a process by where we catch up to where God is leading us. It's the work where our hearts 
become in line with God's heart, where our lives begin to reflect His will and we begin to live for Him. And He simply goes, thank you, please. Because of Jesus, I am no longer in search of identity and purpose. I am being restored to His perfect image, and my purpose is found in filling the world with all the good that is found in Jesus. See, when we get this concept, and we receive the work of sanctification in our life, the world begins to see the renewing work of Jesus in us. It's a passive action. We let God work so we can let the world see. This is the restoration that God is trying to fill the world with. Jesus chapter 1 to 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in our daily lives because we are united with Jesus. See, our experience that God has stored the world. All comes down to our ability to receive this process going on. So the question we're left with is will we receive it or will we reject it? See, we can resist or reject God's work in our life. We can re- reject or resist God's message. And I want you to think about this because this speaks to the bigger issue of why would a loving God allow people to go to hell? Why are you sending to hell? God is not sending anybody to hell. What we've learned through this passage is that God created a perfect world. Man replaced it with a less perfect world. God responded with grace, love, and justice and offers them a restorative work in their lives. And they choose to resist it and reject it. The minute they say, God, we want which of us will rot more. We want ours. 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 And then, yeah, if you're going to exist, you guys enter into my world and live by my rules. It's this constant rejection of what God wants to give us. We want to be in control of creating the world in our image. And when we do that, we get the result of rejecting God. Pain, brokenness, and suffering. The experience that God never wanted creation to have is what we have to offer. Because, see, when we reject God, who do we blame for pain and suffering in us? He doesn't exist, and we can't blame him. How did pain and suffering get here? Why does it exist, and what do we do about it? He is his response. So when we reject God, our life without God, He does not exist. We get the logical conclusion, and our life will get the logical conclusion of that rejection. And that is a lie without God. An eternity without God. And it's pain and suffering 
amplified without any sort of good because see, the truth is we live in a world where there is still good because God is still good. And everything God has done is to try to prevent humanity from entering into an eternity without his presence. God doesn't say anything about it. They fight Paul for resisting the judgment. Because we have a hard time receiving what keeps you from receiving God's grace, God's restoring work in your life. If you're a believer this morning, what is it that's keeping you from placing your faith in Jesus and trusting in God for your work? That is what's going to separate you now and for all eternity. God. Those of us that are believers, what is it that's keeping you from receiving God's restoring work, restoring your work through seeing you as affected in His eyes, restoring your sense of security, restoring your relationships by giving you a sense of belonging and, and by restoring you purposely? What is keeping you from receiving that? Because that's the story to keep you from fully experiencing what Jesus has for you in this life. It all comes down to our willingness to receive. 